I love church. Now, when I say I love church, I mean, like, I love, I love what this looks like for us today. I love the singing. I love, I love uh, the, the fellowship and just the spirit that's here. And I love, like, the church, capital C, like, you know, the people who make up the church. And there is such a unique thing that, that this is where the church gets together in a building. And, and I don't know if it's like God just like does something special because all of us are together and there's a beautiful spirit. And when we open up our spirit, little s, then his Holy Spirit, big S, can do something special. But there is something that happens when God's people get together in a place like this. Now, it's not been this way in every church I've been in. And I'll bet you could say the same thing. Because some churches just suck. <laughs> and some churches just are like, I'm sorry if that offended you. I'm, you know, I'm, I got nothing to say. But that's just the truth. I mean, some churches just suck it out of you. I mean, you walk in and it's all about politics or it's about, or it's about you know, making this person happy or doing that. Listen, that's not what it's all about. And there's something beautiful here. There's something sweet here. And I'm not, I don't even know what the magic formula is. But we got it. And it's not because we're great people. It's because he's a great God. And I think, I think the truth of the matter is that, that coming to church does something that warms your heart, that, that, that you walk out of here and you're like, man, that was great. I, like David said in the Psalms, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. I think his house of the Lord looked different than our house of the Lord, right? But it was still good to be there. And I think it ought to be that way. But, but, but okay, so... So here's the, here's the bait and switch, right? So if coming to church only warms your heart and it never changes your life, whoops. Because if the Spirit of God is here, then change ought to be happening. And so if you come to church and you enjoy it, and you walk away, and you go home, and you're the same way as you were when you got there, we messed up, or you messed up, or both. Because I don't think that, that when the church was instituted, and God, God saw fit that, that we needed this together to encourage each other and to hear the word. And, and, it may, and, and I, I don't think it looked like this exactly in the book of Acts. I think it was similar, but maybe not exactly. There probably wasn't as much formality as we have today. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know what it looked like. I wasn't there. We do our best to figure it out. But, but I think the reason all of this was put together the way that it was put together was for life change. I think it was so that, so that we could learn Christ and then live that out throughout the week. And so where I'm going with all of this is that, is that I'm glad that we enjoy church and I love church. But there ought to be something that happens greater than just getting warmed up. There ought to be something that happens and you say, 
I need to do something about that. I need to change my way of thinking. I need to be a different person because of what I've experienced. And then over time, you begin to have the mind of Christ in more areas of your life, and that's kind of what it's all about. So I was reading, and there's, there's two verses that I want to highlight this week. And if you have your notes, there's so many more verses that I gave you on the bottom for additional study that will blow your mind that we just didn't have time to get into today. But Romans 12, the first two verses, we're going to start with this first verse. It says this, I beseech you, therefore... Brethren, Now, that word beseech, picture Paul begging somebody for something. That's what the word means. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Just think about that phrase, a living sacrifice. In other words, I yield my rights to myself, and am willing to do what God wants me to do with my life. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your, I love this word, reasonable service. In the Greek, that word simply means logical, logikos. It is what makes sense. Well, Eric, why does it make sense that I should give that I should relinquish the will of my life and give it to God. Why does it make sense that I should give myself to God as a living sacrifice? Because he bought you. He paid for you. In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, in the 6th chapter, the 20th verse says this, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And and just jot down, if you would, the verse before that as well. Just a beautiful verse. The idea here is that God paid for you, and it's just the logical thing to do to give yourself over to the person who paid for you. And you can misconstrue that and, and, and make it about what you want to make it. But it just, it, it just open your minds up and realize that God loved you, saved you from hell, and has given you an incredible life here on earth. And it just make, he wants what's best for you. So it makes the most sense to give your life to him, to do with as he wishes, because he only wants what's best for you. I want what God wants. What a great way to live. So then Paul continues in the second verse of chapter 12 in Romans, and he says this, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye warned by coming to church. That's not what it says, is it? He says this, he said, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So keep keep this in mind. Who is this written to? This was written to the church at Rome, okay? So he's writing this to believers. Don't miss this fact. He is not comparing the believers 
to the non-believers here and saying, well, the non-believers are, are conformed to this world. No, he's saying, as a believer, you have a choice that you can make. As a believer, you can be conformed to this world. Or you can be transformed. As a child of God, you make a decision to conform yourself to the world around you. And when we use the word world, please understand we're talking about the systems, the, the thoughts, the, the, what, what makes them do what they do. That's what we're talking about here. So don't conform yourself to what everybody else is doing and what everybody else says is a priority in life. No. No. Make the decision to live differently. Be unique. March to the beat of a different drum. Be countercultural. Figure out what it is that God wants you to do and do that. But Eric, how does that transformation take place? It's spelled out pretty clearly. And that is by renewing your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Now, this is what we're going to focus on here for about the next 10 minutes, is this idea of how do I renew my mind? Because you have to, the idea is you need to think differently. Because we're called to be countercultural. We are called to be Christ followers, not world imitators. And so we ought to be doing things differently, not just because you're an oddball, but because you have a different goal in life. You have a different set of standards for your family. Let's take a look at this a little bit deeper. The word transformed is, is where we get the word metamorphosis. It's like a new birth. Now, keep in mind, this is, this is believers here. We're not talking about salvation. We're saying that, that as a believer, you can have a relationship with Christ and you can have your eternal destiny sealed and be confident that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ and still not be transformed. And Paul is saying, you need a metamorphosis in your life. Well, how do I do that, Paul? By renewing your mind. The word literally means to renovate. We are going to renovate how you think about things. We're going to pull down some walls. We're going to move them over here. We're going to change paint colors. We're going to rip up carpet, put down hardwood. We're going to make it happen. We're going to renovate how you think about things because we want to look different and we ought to, we ought to be different because of the change that Christ is making in our lives. Because renovating or renewing your mind comes, causes life transformation. And then it also helps us, the side benefit is, you figure out what God's will for your life is. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need renovation. We need to think differently. Don't just accept the worldview on everything. We are called to live differently. So you have conform, and then you have transform. And I've got to guess that because you're here, 
you don't necessarily want to conform, but maybe you're right here, you're just warned. So I would just like to encourage you this morning, enjoy the church service, love the fellowship, sing with us, listen, open your hearts, find an area of service, do what you can do here at the church, but don't walk out the same way as you came in. Don't be happy with warm fuzzies. Don't be happy with the hair standing on the back of your neck. That's a good, some of you would love to have hair standing anywhere, right? But let alone the back of your neck. Just, so, you just, and, 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 I'm, I, and I applaud you if that's, that's where you are. So, I just feel like warm fuzzies are great, but warm fuzzies doesn't mean that your life is being transformed. Warm fuzzies just means you had a great time. You rode a roller coaster ride. Woo! But your life's no different. You went to an amusement park. Woo! Lots of fun. But your life's no different. What is being transformed in your life right now? How's your temper? How's your giving? How is your display of love to those in your life? How's your work ethic? How is your life being transformed because of your relationship with Jesus Christ? How is your mind being renewed to where you think differently and you act differently and you do differently because of the difference Christ is making and what he's working on in your life? As followers of Christ, we have a divine call to be counter-cultural and not conform to this world and its priorities. I want to say this. There ought to be a stark contrast between the way that you think and the way that non-believers think. And I don't mean, please understand, if you understand the mind of Christ, it doesn't mean we're better than anybody else. It just means that we, we, have, we have a different way of doing things. You know, in the New Testament, right after, right after Christ went to heaven and the church was getting going, I'm not sure if that's a word or not, getting going, but when it was, when it was started, they, it was just called the way. The movement wasn't called Christianity. It was just called the way because it was such a different way of living life. It was like a third way of doing things. It was like, it wasn't this or this, it was this, right? It was just a different way of thinking, and that's what we're called to do. (laughs) Adoration is good, and admiration is good, but renovation is what we're after as a result of us getting together like this. Because the way that you used to think may not be the way that you should think. So I want to keep in mind, too, that this transformation, which is different from conforming, is an inside-out process, not an outside-in. And that's the, that's the problem with conforming. Okay, so we tend to feel better about where we are spiritually 
if we look like other Christians, like if we wear what they wear and go where they go and do what they do, and we conform outwardly, I'm very familiar with this type of Christianity to where as long as everybody looked the same and did the same stuff, you were like spiritual. That's just outward conformity. There's absolutely no evidence there of inward transformation because because changing who you are and how you think doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. And if I dress a certain way or, or I do a certain thing or don't do a certain thing, it's because of what I feel on the inside and that's affecting what I do on the outside. It's not just the opposite. And this countercultural, this Jesus, this the way that we are, we are called to live. All right, let me show you this. Matthew chapter 5, okay? Just read through it. I have it in your, your notes to just kind of go through it on your own. But the first bunch of verses here, and I kind of like summarized a lot of this. Um, but, but look at what Jesus is saying, right? So here's the Messiah. He's coming to set up his kingdom here on earth. Everybody's excited about the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and, and they're following him. And he gets up and he preaches this famous sermon on the mountain. He says, blessed or happy are you if you're poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Huh? Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And he says, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. That's not exactly the powerful kingdom we were hoping would be established, Jesus. No, it's a different way to live. And then he kind of begins to end this a little further down. He says, you've heard that it be said, (laughs) an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's right, Jesus. But whosoever shall smite thee on your right cheek, turn to him your other also. Wait, what? Okay. And if any man will sue you and take you to law and take your coat, give him your shirt as well. <laughs> you know how much this cost me? And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile... Go with them too. I wish we had time to get into all of this because there really is genius behind what Jesus is saying. Uh, just a quick example here. The Roman soldiers could ask a Jew to carry all their stuff with them, for them, for up to a mile, and that was it. That was the rule. That was a Roman rule. So let's just, I mean, imagine this. You're, you're a Jew, and you're going about your business And a Roman soldier doesn't want to carry his pack anymore, so he tells you, carry this for me. I can imagine you're just grumbling because now it's going to take you at least a half an hour. At a quick pace, you're going to walk with this guy for a mile, drop his pack, and then grumble all the way back home. Jesus said, that's what you normally do. Let me tell you to do this. Go with him two miles. Why? Why? Because it's going to make you feel good inside? I don't know, it might. 
But what Jesus knew was that that Roman soldier would get in trouble if you walked with him more than a mile. And so picture this. You're carrying the backpack. You hit the mile marker. The soldier says, all right, thank you. Nope, we're good. We're good. And you just keep on going another mile. It's passive-aggressive behavior is what it is. But no, 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 it's okay. It's all right. We just drop the, drop the pack here. No, no, I'm good for another mile. Let's keep going. It shifts the power in that relationship. Because now the soldier's worried he's going to get in trouble because you're carrying the pack more. That's what I'm talking about. It's countercultural. It's a different way to live. The same thing with the coat and, and the smiting on the cheek. There's so much in that. If you study Jewish customs, you realize Jesus wasn't talking to them and saying, play, you know, just roll over and play dead. He was empowering them by the way they behaved. It was just a different way to look at life. Give, him, give to him that asks you, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. You've heard that it said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That makes no sense, Jesus. I know. To you. Because that's conforming to the world. I'm asking you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We play by a different set of rules. Please understand that. We play by a different set of rules. How fun would that be? To play basketball with no out-of-bounds. Or everything was a three-point shot. And you get to keep the score. Because you play by a different set of rules. We don't think the same way. And the idea is that Christ is encouraging us to live differently and not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind because it's a better way to live. But Eric, how do I find this out? How, I mean, <laughs> how is it that I discover what all these new rules are? How, how am I supposed to play? I'm glad you asked. Because I think renovation happens three ways, and there could be more than this. But I think, first of all, renovation happens through God's word. So, God's word is given to us to give us instructions on how to live. I think you should prioritize your time with God. I know you're busy. I probably can't imagine how busy you are. You're always tired. Always have some place to do. You got a schedule for every kid. I mean, it's, it's a busy life that we live. And this culture has created stuff to keep you busy. And what we've done is we've prioritized all of the stuff instead of prioritizing our life and allowing the stuff to fit in. So I would encourage you to think counterculturally and renew your mind, how? By, my, by making the word of God a priority in your life. You, you'll never find out how you're supposed to live if you never read the instruction manual. And what I have found in, in my study of God's word is that 
is that things seep in a lot better than they're crammed in. And so, so in other words, it's better for you to listen to the Word of God as you're driving to work or have a consistent 30 minutes a day and have a, have a plan and allow God to speak to your heart over time and let it seep in and change how you think about things than it is to try and cram it all in and read, you know, the book of Numbers by lunch. God bless your heart. I mean, just let it kind of seep in and, and make it a priority every day. And I'll be honest, something that, that, and this is something new for me the last couple of years, is listening to the Word of God. While I'm driving and while I'm doing other things, I mean, I can be mowing my lawn, I can, and I just listen to the Word of God, and there's some podcasts out there that, that'll read it to you in a detail. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that should be all you do, but I think it is beneficial to hear somebody else tell you the story. Because the Word of God is a beautiful story. And you pick up things that you wouldn't have picked up before because you're just listening to the Word of God. And what it does, you begin to see God working behind the scenes and you're like, wow, maybe, maybe that's how I ought to live. Like God's really in control and God is... So my, my encouragement to you is, is when, you, when you start to think, I need to transform my life rather than conforming. I don't want to just be warmed. I want to transform. Then you have to renew your mind. You've got to renovate how you think. How you understand things, and it comes by the Word of God, through God's Word, and also, I think, through God's people. Through God's people. I really believe that coming to church and being a part of a community group and making connections with other believers that encourage your walk with Christ is crucial. If I had a troubled marriage, I would want to tap into and spend time with a couple whose marriage I admired and relationship I admired. Because just spending time with them and how they interact would influence how I behave. If I wanted help raising my kids so I don't pull out the rest of my hair. I would want to spend time with other mommies and daddies who have kids that behave the way that I admire. It just makes sense. You, you, when, when you expose yourself to that which you admire, then you become better for it. And when you do life together with people and they influence you, then you change. And the way you think becomes different. One thing I love about our community groups is that, is that many of them are intergenerational. You've got, you've got folks who have grandbabies in the same group as somebody who is just married. How valuable is that? That you have a couple that's been married for 40 plus years modeling what marriage should look like to a young couple that's been married for a year. That's what I'm talking about. We need this connection with each other. And this is great, and church is great, but in more intimate settings. That's why I love the community groups, doing life together. And I believe that you renovate your mind and you change how you think by doing life together. Create 
opportunities for you to be influenced by those people that you respect and admire and want to imitate. Make them happen. Take them out for dinner. Have them over for a meal. Join a community group with them. Just do life with people, God's people, so that your, your way of thinking is like, oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't think that all of us have had good models in life when it comes to relationships. Not everybody had a great dad. Not everybody had a loving mom. Not everybody was, was parented well or, or saw evidence of a great loving marriage relationship. Not everybody came from healthy churches where, where we were mission-oriented and loved people and, and accepted you for who you were and tried to take you to the next level in your relationship with Christ. No, a lot of us came from churches where if you didn't come in wearing the same kind of clothes that we do and carrying the same kind of Bible and, and, and saying amen at the right time, then you were ostracized. So whatever that looks like for you, wherever the, 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 the need of transformation is in your life, I encourage you to surround yourself with God's people that can model that well for you. I could even point you in the right direction. Eric, I really could use, okay, I would spend time with this person or that person. Not that one. I'm not going to say that. Although that list is probably longer, right? But through God's word, renovation takes place through God's people, and I believe this, through God's work. I think there is a place of service for everybody who is a part of the body of Christ. There are no useless body parts. Everybody has a purpose in a church. And everybody has a purpose for their life. God has gifted you. Well, I don't even know what my gifting is. It's okay. I'm not even sure. But just jump in to do something. God will figure it out after a while. You know, you park cars out there and you bang a couple of them together. Okay, let's, let's have you blow up balloons or something, okay? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's going to become evident pretty quickly. And just jump in, because a moving car is a lot easier to steer than a car in park. And most of you are going, okay, God, where? And you're not even out of park yet. Let's get moving, and I'll, I'll, I'll move the steering wheel. Do something. Get involved somewhere. Volunteer. And it doesn't have to be this ministry, but it needs to be somewhere where, where are you exercising the giftings that God has given you? And again, please, I believe there's a place of service here, but I don't think it has to be here. There are ways that you can affect this community, affect folks at work, and use your giftings that way, and I'd love to hear those stories. But I believe service is a great way to put yourself in a position where you need God's help. And then transformation begins to take place. I taught high school for a little while at a Christian school in Texas. 
And I love history, so I'm a history teacher, right? I'm a, I love history. And our science teacher was tragically killed in a car wreck the second week of school. The principal came to me and said, hey, Eric. What he was really saying was, history is really easy. I can get anyone to do that. Would you teach physics? Yes. <laughs> I, I went to a small Christian school for my high school years. I, don't, I wasn't even sure what it was. Okay, so he gives me the book. And I promise you, I spent more time studying than the kids did. Because, so he, I met with all the parents. I said, parents, let me tell you. I promise you, there will be nobody that studies physics harder than I will. And I think I'm going to present it to them in a way that they'll understand it because I just figured it out. And I taught physics for two years. And we did great and had a great time. And I was usually just a few days ahead of them. And I'm studying going, what's the answer? Okay. And, but I learned physics because I had to teach physics. And there's no better way to figure out this Christian life than to be doing something with Christ. Oh, my word, I don't know how to teach a third grade class. I don't know how to lead worship for fourth through sixth graders. Great. What a great way to renovate. And that may not be what it looks like for you. But I believe God wants to do a work in your life. He wants to do a work in your mind. And it needs to be transformed by renewing that. Your life needs to be transformed by renewing your mind. And I believe it happens through God's word, through God's people, and, of course, through God's work. That's right there. That's, that's the DNA of who we are as a church. We want you to grow, connect, and serve. Right there. It's a great way to transform. So, yeah, enjoy coming to church. I want you to be warmed. I want you to feel good. I want you to enjoy the music and and enjoy the, the word being spoken and, and, the, and, the, and the time that you get to spend with each other. But be challenged, too. Begin that transformation process by the renewing of your mind. Don't just be warmed. Be transformed. Let's pray. Father, we, we have so much to figure out. Uh, we, we, uh, I'm so glad that, that, that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us to help us in this walk. And I just pray, Father, the folks in here would open their hearts and open their minds to what that looks like for them and, and, and where and, and when they need to plug in and, and what their time with you needs to look like on a consistent basis during the week and, and, and who they can connect with and do life together and be encouraged to think differently, to think counterculturally, to think the way Jesus wants us to think and to live the way that he wants us to live and help us to be renewed and renovated in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.